everybody, and welcome to the 68th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Brandon Chowan, and joining me tonight, we have Mark Nadu and Ash Collins. Gentlemen, happy belated Halloween. Did you guys have a good one? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Did you guys get any trick? Like, you were on vacation, Mark, right, yes, for Halloween? That's right. So did your family have any, like, trick-or-treaters in your area? No, my parents live in, a, like, a... 55 plus uh, condo complex, oh, okay. but like side by side condo. So it's like more like a condo neighborhood. Gotcha. Um, and they got no trick or treaters at all. So guess oh, who got the candy? <laughs> right, exactly. What about you, Ashley? Trick or treaters? Uh, no, because I didn't. Our, our town never does trick or treating on actual Halloween. So I always forget when oh. they're doing freaking trick or treating. And, <laughs> well, no one ever comes to our, our house anyway, even when we've got everything out. So I, you know, I, I don't make it a point to remember, but right. Yeah. We solved the mystery of where everybody is. They're always on main street because main street is freaking crowded. Holy crap. Oh, really? Yeah. You try going down there. Yeah. Well, no, we, yeah, we tried driving down main street. And it was just people everywhere. <laughs> like, holy crap. I have a quick question. Your town, Ash, did it ban dancing at all? <laughs> uh, no, supposedly. <laughs> and, and actually, asked the reason supposedly that they don't have they don't have trick or treating on Halloween is to protect the kids. Except nah. they advertise the hell out of when trick or treating is, so you're not really <laughs> protecting the kids. It's, right. it's all about the kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Columbus has a different reason for it. Columbus is like because all the parents want to be out partying on Halloween. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, that's too funny. Yeah, we had a good number. Uh, I think we had more last year, but that's what that's what'll happen when Halloween falls on a Monday. But all right, so we will be talking about Pitch Black today. So we are continuing our space horror arc. Our second of the three films that we're talking about for this arc. And uh, yeah, so as always, just a reminder, you can interact with us in a few different ways. You can find us on Twitter at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. Finally, you can also leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. We love comments, questions, corrections, concerns, whatever. So please reach out to us using any one of those three services, and we'd be happy to talk with you. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash and check out our long list of past reviews and all previous 67 podcast episodes at cinefessions.com. So I'm happy to tell everyone that at the end of this week's show, because we had a few people asking us about it over the uh, two weeks since we last recorded, Uh, We're going to be revealing our next podcast arc that will be starting in just a couple of weeks now. So make sure you listen through to the end of this week's show to find out where we are heading after Space Horror. And also, I've updated the upcoming recording schedule page on Cinefessions. So you can visit uh, cinefessions.com backslash podcast schedule, uh, one word, to see what our planned blackout weeks are that we, and again, that's planned. So who knows what comes up, but, um, and you can also see uh, what is coming out on which date for our upcoming arc. So uh, note that for November, we have three shows planned, but we are taking the week of Thanksgiving off, which is uh, Thursday, November 24th, for those that are not from the States. Yeah, I'm working that uh, weekend, so uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You have, when is your Thanksgiving? We already had it. It's back in October. That's right. Okay, very good. So uh, that means uh, this is merely one of three 
excellent episodes that we have planned for you for the month of November. And I know I speak for all three of us when I say that I'm really excited to finally get back into the weekly weekly recording schedule after the disaster that was October. So yeah, me too. It's yeah. it's looking good that we're getting back into regular rhythm again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to uh, you know spread the gospel of Cinefish. Absolutely, damn right. All right, and last but certainly not least. We are proud to tell you guys that this episode of the Cinefessions podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. So Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so all of our Cinefessions listeners can get an opportunity to check out their services. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from on your iPhone, Android, or Kindle devices. So head on over to audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions to get your free audiobook. That's audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions. All right. So with that out of the way, Ash, what the hell have you been doing these past couple weeks? Pokemon. <laughs> uh, really? And I were participating in the Pokemon event. Oh, for Halloween, right? Yeah. Yeah, we did that. Okay. And uh, we drove up to Toledo to hit up some of the nests uh, to uh, catch some of the stuff we were looking for up there. Um, and then, uh, been binge watching the hell out of CSI New York. Holy crap. Uh, a lot <laughs> of that. Um, How many seasons of that are there? I didn't realize it lasted that long. Uh, is there 10? I thought there were nine. Holy shit. I know there's, there's at least 10 of CSI Miami. I think there's either nine or 10 of, of CSI New York. Also. Okay. Very good. I thought I watched something besides the, oh, I started watching a show called Glitch. Or I did watch a show called Glitch. I watched all of that. Um, it's about a. Uh, it's an Australian show about a uh, group of people who get back up from the dead. Um, okay. They're, they're not zombies. Uh, they're not trying to eat people. They're, it's not the whole graveyard. There's what seven people, I think, seven or eight people that get up. They're all from different time periods. One guy had been in the ground since the 1850s. Uh, and then like one, yeah, to all the way up to the one who had only been there for two years. Uh, and they get up and the sheriff's trying to figure out what exactly, uh, brought them back. Um, but they are kind of like, they're kind of like stuck in this one area. They can't really leave or they actually die again. Um, (laughs) so horribly, uh, which is, so it's kind of interesting, but it's like the first season, so you don't really know why they're back. They kind of hint about it, um, but it's more them trying to figure everything out because they don't really have their memories when they first come back. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting that way. Um, it, it's a little slow, but I mean, if you if you like kind of weird horror dramas, they're it's it that fits that bill. Yeah. Yeah, not all of them were murdered. Some of them just died. Some of them had cancer. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, one of them was a car accident. It's, you know, a wide variety of how and why they died. So, yeah, that sounds interesting. Did you watch that whole series? Yeah, yeah. There's only like six, six to eight episodes, I think. Oh, very good. There was, and there was this one guy uh, who actually dies in the town and comes back like slightly wrong like he was a cop and he comes back like off yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's interesting it's it's interesting it's it, it's i'd be in i'll be watching season two if if and when we actually get it but um, yeah yeah it, it's one of those things where 
you know, don't expect a lot of answers, but it's kind of interesting to watch. <laughs> Very cool. Anything else these past couple weeks? Uh, not really. A lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and spending and then spending time with my wife. So Brian. Very good. And what about you, Mark? Um well in the last two weeks since last recorded, I did watch a bit uh before and during my trip since we had some slow time. Um I'll just go through the stuff I had never seen before. Okay. That I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. Um Independence Day Resurgence. Have you guys oh. seen the sequel? This summer? I haven't. No, Bridget watched it, and she's a huge fan of the original and wanted to really see the sequel, and she was disappointed with the, with the remake. See, I, mean, I, sequel, I, rather. I didn't like the original that much. I just thought it was just too much rah-rah hippumba, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, this one actually kind of dug. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I know. I'm surprised as well. I did not – I expected to – I was, was going to hate watch it, you know? But I'm like, <laughs> it's on my list because there's a podcast I want to listen to that talk about it, and I still want to mm-hmm. see the – before I, you know, hear people uh, discuss it. And uh, yeah, so I sat back on my couch thinking, you know, I'm not going to like this at all. And it was actually pretty good. You know, most of the cast returns, apart from like Will Smith, who doesn't return and those that die. Um, yeah. Brent Spiner, he, he's in the sequel. He's got a huge part in it. He's awesome. Mm. Um, Jeff Goldblum plays Jeff Goldblum. Um, <laughs> yeah, even seeing Judge Hirsch again, I, I, for some reason, I thought he had passed away, and he hadn't. So I was happy to see him as well and talk about my David, you know? I bet. Um, yeah, so actually, I really liked it. The special effects are amazing. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. So I kind of want to uh, recommend Independence Day Resurgence. Um, okay. It's better than the first. For a film that's 20 years, you know, past, you know, like, yeah. I, I don't like movies that are like 20 years later. Like mm-hmm. we saw today released the trailer of Transpotting 2, which they're calling T2, oh. which I have a big problem with. Only <laughs> <laughs> one T2, and that is Terminator 2. Um, the film itself looked really good, but Transpotting was so awesome. Do we need a sequel to that? You know, well, it's based mm-hmm. off of the book sequel, so that's. Which I only heard about the book about 15 minutes before we started recording. I didn't know there was a sequel to the book. I had no. no, It's called Porno. So how did I not hear about this? I don't know. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah. Uh, So like the guys look so awesome. They still look the guys. You know, Uh, Big B was my favorite character in the first film. He looks still badass in the sequel. Um, I just, you know, some films don't need a sequel. And Mm -hmm. I, I thought this was one of them. I guess we'll find out soon when it gets released. But, um, yeah, I was, uh, I didn't think there was a need for one, but, uh, they come out with it. So I'll, I'll probably watch it anyways. Yeah. Um, so now going to some films that I, I've discussed on Twitter a bit. Mm-hmm. I saw the Netflix original, or at least they picked it up at the movie festival. Oh yeah. I uh, forgot I watched that one. Yeah. Yeah. I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. Oh, okay. I was going to watch that until I heard your comments afterwards. Yeah. It looks good. Um, I love slow brooding films, you know, but this one, it's like watching a candle burn. It is mm. so slow and nothing happens. Um, I was really bummed by it, but what it's about, it's about, uh, this, um, I guess a home nurse, uh, called Lily, where she moves in the house of Iris Bloom, who's like a 1960s, 1970s, like thriller mystery writer, almost mm. horror, horror movie books. And um, she's at her, you know, she she needs a full-time home care nurse. So she's there to help her out and starts a 
for some reason, this Lily is such a fraidy cat where she wants to read uh, one of Bloom's books and is terrified five pages in. Like, <laughs> I've never noticed somebody so needy and so scared of her own shadow before. Um, yeah, so, like, I love movies like uh, Ty West. He did one called The Innkeepers. Yeah. It's a slow-moving horror. It's like a haunted uh, hotel-style story. Right, right. Loved it. This one? Oh, my. I was I was staring at the clock, and I think the clock minutes were going backwards on it. That's how bad it was. <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed by it because the director, his name is Osgood Perkins. He's Anthony Perkins' son. And, really? um Yeah. And when I was in Fantastic Fest in 2015, he had a movie called February. Which was fantastic. Now it, it got renamed a stupid, oh, a stupid title. Um, it hasn't been released yet, but it was called February. Now it's called like the Handmaiden's Coat or the Good Mother's Coat, some stupid thing like that. Um, oh, hmm. the Black Coat's Daughter. Oh, okay. Why? I have yeah. no idea. I thought February was decent for the film. The Black Coat's Daughter to me makes no sense. I'll have to rewatch it. Um, mm-hmm. So I was excited to watch this movie because of him, because I liked his last film. And right. this one just. Completely disappointed. But at the same time, it's a beautiful film. Like it's shot very nicely. The house is shot. It, it's done very well. Just nothing happens. It Nothing happens at all. And the <laughs> end, I'm like, what? That's it? Like, in the way, I was kind of happy because I'm like, oh, that's it. But yeah. Um, Ash, what did you think about this film? Exactly. That's how fast <laughs> the plot goes. It's dead fucking air. So that's that one. Uh, I'm gonna. Okay. Sorry, what? I was distracted. What? <laughs> I was asking you what you thought of the film. Oh uh, no! It, uh, it, uh, I kind of liked it. It was slow. Um, I don't know. I think uh, there was a lot of like emotional moments to it. I think it was meant more along those lines uh, rather than you know. It was kind of to have like an emotional impact. Uh, and it, I think it, it being a ghost story within a ghost story was kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it and it's a very heavy woman's narrative. I will give it that. It, it's got some, it, you know, some decent moments to it. And I don't know. I, it's hard to describe. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I, I know what you mean. It was, it was just, it was slow. It was a very, very slow burn. Um, yeah. I was not expecting it to be that slow, but me neither. I kind of because. Liked it. Because I like the indie vibe to it, but just uh, it's like watching a still painting. <laughs> you know, it's like watching a still painting dry to see if there's gonna be any drips in it. Like there's just <laughs> nothing occurs. But you know, again, uh, I hope that Osgood uh, does get some good stuff out of it, and his next one will be even better because his last one really was. So this to me is a just a little notch downward toward in his biography so far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I didn't I didn't like it. Again, you know. Um, Maybe somebody listening will love it. And if you do love it, please tell me why. I would love to hear your feedback on it. So, um, I'll go with a few more here. Um, so, Netflix is really releasing a lot of indie films right now, which I'm liking. Yeah. So, I watched The Invitation. Did you guys see that? Okay. Ash, it, you saw that, right? Uh, I don't not. This is the one about oh, okay. the guy who, I guess, his ex-wife invites him to a dinner party. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. So then he goes with his current girlfriend, and it's awkward. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an interesting movie. I, I, I like that one. Yeah. 
So did I. I liked it a lot. It made me think a lot of a Ty West film again, just because of these awkward situations and the, the way it was shot. Um, you, you don't know if something is not right with the, the, the dinner party or if it's in your main character's head. Um, again, great cast. Uh, I, I don't want to get too much into it because it's up to you to go through the story. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I think like, especially in, with these awesome indie films, if if you ruin it, then there goes the fun of the film. So uh, I recommend the invitation. Um, it's about uh, it's uh, directed by uh, Karen Kusama, uh, which I first I didn't really know many of her movies, but uh, she did uh, Jennifer's Body. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, and she did Aeon Flux, the um, the live uh, action make. Yeah, and Girl Fight, which was one of um, uh, what's her name? Shoot. Yeah, it was. I think that was her first film. Okay. So she's got some. Like she doesn't at least doesn't direct a lot of features, Mm -hmm. but she's done a lot of television. Um, Yeah, I I thought she was. It was. I thought she's awesome. I thought this film was great. So I hope she does more awesome work like this. Um, Definitely, definitely want to check that one out. I've heard a lot of good about it. Yes, check it out. I think it's fun. It's one of the films that was at Fantastic Fest in 2015 that I did not see. Not because I didn't want to, just it didn't work schedule-wise. Um, yeah. Another off uh, Netflix. These are all off Netflix, by the way, except for in Penn's Day. Um, I watched Emily. Uh, E-M-E-L-I-E. Okay. Did you guys see that one? No. No? Uh, okay. Spell it again. Uh, E-M-E-L-I-E. Emily. Uh, that's not the, like... It's, I think no, that that's might be Canada-only streaming. Is it? Okay. Well, eventually you guys will get it then. Um, yeah. It got released last year, I guess, or pardon me, it was released early this year uh, on, uh, I guess, uh, uh, for home uh, entertainment. Uh, but it was made last year. And it's about this babysitter who babysits this family for the first time. And shortly after uh, the parents leave, uh, the babysitter starts acting funny. And she might not be what she seems she is. So it's one of those, like, crazy babysitter movies instead of a crazy kid movie it's the babysitter that's the focal point um again it's it's another film that you have to sit down and enjoy i don't want to talk too much about it but i give it my recommendation um the title character emily she's played by sarah bolger which she's got one of those faces where you recognize but i don't think i've seen any of the films she's been in um apart from the lazarus effect which was last year but mm-hmm. the rest just doesn't, you know, like I've never seen the Spiderwick Chronicles, you know, that's right. 2008. Um, Stormbreaker, I've never seen. As Cool As I Am, I haven't seen. And her TV stuff, it's stuff I haven't seen either. But I've seen her before. I just, you know, not in the starring role like this. And she is awesome in this movie. Uh, as this Good. babysitter that starts off innocent and just goes off the deep end. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's really good. So I totally recommend that. Um, last one I'll talk about again, watch a lot of movies just because it's been two weeks. Um, another uh, Fantastic Fest from 2015, Darling. Okay, I don't know that one either. Uh, again, very indie. The director is Miki Keating, and he made, I think, in 2015, made Pod, which is the only other film I've seen him in or that I've uh, that I've seen his work, uh, which I liked, did not love, but you know, since it was at in Austin, and I have a hard on for everything in uh, at Fantastic Fest. I wanted to watch it. <laughs> it's a black and white horror thriller. Um, 
It's about this girl who is hired by Shang Young, known as just Madame, who uh, owns this big building, like one of those big brownstone buildings. And uh, the girl, uh, her name is just Darling in the film, because that's what she calls her, Darling. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like a caretaker. So she's supposed to keep, the, I guess, the household running while everybody's away. So it's just her, this apartment slash like big house um, for like the next hour and 20 minutes because that's about the running time, 118, 120. Black and white, shot beautifully. Um, a bit odd because pretty much uh, you see this girl going, well, that's the thing. Like it, it, this film is, is set up in chapters. I think there's six chapters, I remember. Mm-hmm. And there's a title card for every chapter. So I'm not sure if she's getting possessed by something in the building or if she's just going mentally crazy by being alone a lot Mm. Um, because the the way the film is shot it seems like it's through a very short period of time so she might have some mental illness ticks and the building is amplifying it to her or that the building is just taking over her consciousness we don't know Um, you might find out as the film goes along Um, and to me it's kind of it's kind of not clear um, but yeah. it's got some huge David Lynch um, notes to it. Also, watching the film makes me think of um, uh, Rosemary's Baby um, by um, by. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm I'm, I'm, I'm uh, forgetting his name. Uh, Polanski, um, because it, it, it's it's a recent. It's like it's a current modern day film, mm-hmm. but the style is very sixties ish slash early seventies. Um, so again, you're wondering, is it a demon possession? Is there a girl going crazy? We don't know. Um, interesting film, not the greatest, um, just because it, it's very indie. It's, he's trying a lot of, he's using a lot of tricks in the film, a lot of, uh, strobe imaging, a lot of quick cuts. So it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Didn't love it. One and two, it just, it just didn't hit on all it, it it didn't just hit on all cinders for me so yeah yeah so uh so that's pretty much all i watched um between that and then my trip to winnipeg and i i finished my sleeve on my left arm for my tattoo so oh, that's nice. that, that's healing so if you hear me uh, if you hear like a, a tapping sound that's me just tapping my uh, my arm because it's getting itchy <laughs> and not any other reasons why you would hear tapping <laughs> on the microphone <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all for me. Awesome. Very good. Yeah. Uh, basically, everything I watched for the past couple of weeks have been for the podcast, um, aside from all the football I watched, obviously, and baseball and wrestling. I did watch Hell in a Cell, which oh, I didn't so plan to. But What'd you think of it? I liked it a lot. I thought it was pretty damn good. Yeah. I watched it last night. And yeah. honestly, the only match I really enjoyed was yeah. the uh, Kevin uh, Owens-Seth uh, Rollins match. Oh, okay. I, I thought I the book and everything else sucked. I really like the women's men and the fact that they finished the card. I thought that was awesome. I, I like that too. Uh, and I wanted to like that match. Mm-hmm. But I thought just the garbage at the beginning. Um, it was uh, yeah. very familiar, which I didn't think it needed. Is ah, I don't know. They could have done something differently or something different there. That didn't feel as just rehashed from what we've seen previously. But. I think it hurts too having three Hell in a Cells on the same card. I ah, I didn't mind the fact that they had three Hell in a Cells. I minded the fact that they called them all the main event. That annoyed the fuck out of me. Especially since the first one was in the first match. Like that's not a main event, buddy. 
yeah, I wasn't a big fan of but, it. Yeah. Um, so otherwise, uh, Barnes & Noble just started their uh, 50% off Criterion Collection sale on uh, November 1st. So, of course, I had to uh, go check that out and ended up grabbing two of the newer releases. The first one was uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pan's Labyrinth. And the second was the Cohen's Blood Simple. Um, I did see, so they also released this uh, Del Toro box set, which has like all three of the films that are in the Criterion Collection. So uh, Pan's Labyrinth, Kronos, and The Devil's Backbone. But I already own Kronos and and Devil's Backbone, so I decided to pass on it. Um, It's a beautiful set though. So if you don't own those already, it's normally a hundred bucks for the Blu-ray. You can get it for 50 bucks right now. And it, it looks like it's absolutely worth it, especially if you don't own those other two, but... Um, so I'd highly recommend that if you don't have it. It's just, it looks beautiful. It's a weird sh- uh, size and weird shape, but um, it looks really cool. But if I go back, um, which I'm sure I'm going to, um, I'm planning on grabbing the original Cat People and Carnival of Souls, which both just came out recently just because I don't own them and they're horror. And I tend to buy anything that horror that the Criterion Collection releases. So ha- out of curiosity, have either of you seen Cat People or Carnival of Souls, the originals? No, I haven't. No. What about you, Ash? Uh, are, is that the one where they turn into cats if they have sex? Oh, is that how it works? I don't. I don't know. Well, I well, haven't seen it. There's one called Cat the Cat People with. Uh, it was a Scream Factory release. Yeah, that's from the '80s. That's the yeah. remake. Yeah. So that's. Okay, I have not seen the original Cat People. No. Okay, you, but you've seen the remake. I've seen parts of the remake. I actually have. Okay. Not, I have not seen either one in an in entirety. So. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I got definitely got to going to check them out, but Yeah, and um, it's not so, Sleepwalkers either, which is another cat people having sex film. Oh, okay. I that, actually I think I own game. that one recently and I I don't I, have not I, seen I, it. I bet you do. I bet you do own that one. <laughs> uh, so Target is also having uh, a sale. They're doing the buy two get one free sale this week for video games. So Ended up getting some of the sports titles that I've been waiting on. Um, I grabbed Forza Horizon 3 on Xbox One, Pro Evolution Soccer 2017 on PS4. Um, I grabbed that one specifically on PS4 because the PC and PS4 are the only way you can get like the real players into the game using the USB files uh, or USB sticks with files Mm -hmm. on them. And so uh, you can't do that on Xbox One. So grab that on PS4 and then grab NBA 2K17 on PS4 also. Okay. That you can't do on the Xbox One, huh? Yeah, I don't know why, which is weird because you can have an external hard drive hooked up to my Xbox One, which I do, mm-hmm. but I can't on my PS4, which is fucking stupid, like yeah. to install games on and shit. So I, I don't understand why it doesn't work f- for this aspect of it, but whatever. Yeah, and I also heard that uh, Best Buy is starting a buy one, get one 40% off sale on Friday, on uh, Sunday rather. And so if you look at it, it's basically the same deal as the buy two, get one free. Uh, you're just getting two games instead of the three. Well, for, I should say for uh, like the Gamers Club unlocked people, at least, because the prices equal out to about 40 something bucks a game, whatever the hell, that, uh, something around there. Um, and so I'm sure I'm going to grab a couple there. I'm just not sure exactly what yet. But yeah. And then uh, finally, I also tried playing uh, WWE 2K16 again the other night. <laughs> And as much as I want to love that game, I, I just fucking can't, man. The gameplay is so bad. Yeah. I was really tempted to uh, to grab WWE 2K17 because um, like, I want the female wrestlers that aren't present in 2K16. Like, They don't have 
uh, Bailey, Sasha, Charlotte, Becky, no, none of the big ones that we know now are not present in 16. Which is funny since apparently Sasha did all the motion capture for the female wrestlers. Oh, so really? Why was she not included? In, oh, why were right. all the four horsemen not included since they were huge in NXT at the time? That's exactly. odd to me. Most odd part about it to me was that they're not even a DLC. Like mm-hmm. they have like a futures pack and it's like two random or two random people I didn't know, maybe even three and Samoa Joe. That's it. Yeah. It's like, what, what was, what? Anyway. Um, yeah. So I was going to get WWTK 17, but I just, if the gameplay is the same pretty much from what I'm hearing. So well, it's not worth it. I did hear that the submission control yep. is different, or at least you can play as 2K16 or more as a, a quick time button masher. Um, but does that save the oh, game? Oh, okay. I, I don't know. Honestly, you know, it's going to go down price sooner than later. I might yeah. pick it up. Like, wait, Black Friday. I'm sure you'll right. get it for cheap. At yep. that point, then, you know, what's 40 bucks? Yeah, exactly. You know, if I can, like, I hate trying to stop the circle when I'm getting, like, pinned into that little bar. Yeah. Like, it was in the very beginning of the match and I got pinned and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't stop it. And so I got pinned. It's like, what the fuck? And then the submission system is terrible. I don't, I'm going to try it some more just because I, I don't know. I just want to, but I'm, uh, I'm really tempted to go back to WWE 13, which I think is probably the last great one that I played mm-hmm. in terms of gameplay. But oh, to yeah. me, it's, it's WWE all-stars for the PS3. To me, that's you know, a bet. I've never played it. Oh, if you can and find it cheap. I is, know it's, is it? Yeah. It's hard. Apparently, it's harder to find. I'm guessing that's why it's meant it's harder to find. And so it's like 30 to 40 bucks. I, I might be exaggerating a little bit. Like, I, mean, I think it is. I think it's like $29.99 at GameStop. And you it's know what? like, eh. I think I instead of paying 60 bucks for frustration, get yeah. that. The DLC is awesome. Like you can, oh, really? Oh, yeah. There's some DLC characters that you can that you can get. Um, like uh, there's, I think, Big Boss Man. There's Million Dollar Man. Um, mm-hmm. There's... Um, I think Mr. Perfect, Cody Rhodes, and Ted DiBiase Jr. Um, okay. Legion of Doom, I believe, is uh, is DLC as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But it's fun. I still have it like on my shelf because I keep popping it in my PS3 once in a while. The big question, though, does it have like a, a season type mode? Uh, yes and no. It's more like Mortal Kombat where there's ladders where oh, you have to beat okay. the, these ten guys to unlock this, yeah. ten guys to unlock that. So yeah. n- not really, no. Yeah. I used to love um, – uh, they had like Legends of Wrestling. Yeah. One and two. I liked those when they came out. I can't go back to them now. They're just – I find them terrible now. But I liked them when they came out. I enjoyed those a lot. And they had a really interesting story mode with them. Mm-hmm. But the, the best wrestling games ever made, uh, bar none, are the Fire Pro Wrestling series. Um, absolutely obsessed with one and two on the Game Boy Advance. And then Fire Pro Wrestling Returns came out on PS2. Uh, I was just taking a look real quick, see if I still owned it. Unfortunately, I don't. But those were the the best wrestling games I've ever played. Yeah, I played the uh, Game Boy Advance version, and I actually mm-hmm. took the time to change all the names. Yeah, was, oh, was, yeah, absolutely. You know, like I did all of that. Like I was into yep. it. I keep throwing. I keep selling my game systems, which yeah, I'm too. stopping now. I regret <laughs> it. I had a buddy, my buddy Ray. He uh, recently posted on Instagram his old Neo Geo uh, handheld portable. Oh and yeah. We, we each had one, and he goes, "Hey, dude, you remember? Uh, do you still have that machine?" I'm like, "No, I don't." But they had some cool fucking games for that little machine. It just never caught on. Right. Yeah, I never played that outside of the virtual console, the Wii virtual console. Oh, do they have uh, uh, SNK uh, portable games? Uh, Neo Geo, right? No, no. This is a portable machine. It was like a Game Boy. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah. I think it was called uh, Neo Geo Go or some. Uh, oh, something okay. Similar. Then I don't know. It was a color. It was a color screen, and they had okay. this wicked card, like kind of like a Yu-Gi-Oh style um, Capcom uh, versus SNK battling game, which was fun. They also had a really, really good uh, Capcom versus SNK uh, fighting game. Um, and then they had like Cool Runnings, uh, or was it Cool Runnings, the snowboarding game where you go downhill? Ah, anyways, and a whole bunch of games are really badass, especially that was like 15 years ago. So much fun, and of course, it fit all in for an Xbox, like an idiot, which I didn't trade in for Wii U. And yeah, anyways, Cool Runnings is the movie. The bobsled movie, right? Yeah, but wasn't there wasn't there a, it is like a snowboarding? A, yeah, snow, downhill snowboarding. Um, God, I am forgetting oh. the title, and I feel like they had them for. It was a New Deal Pocket Color. That's what it was called. Okay. And I'm looking at the games list right now here. Um, Man. Hmm. Yeah, so it was SNK versus Capcom Match of the Millennium, which was awesome. Then he had King of okay. Fighters R2. They had a Metal Slug game, uh, The Last Blade. Oh man, it's so many. Good. I wonder how hard it would be to recollect all this stuff. It's all from like from two thousand. God, oh, they oh had a, okay. They had a new Turf Masters. It was a new Geo Golf game, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> I don't see awesome. this. I don't see this. Oh, Cool Borders, Cool, cool Borders, borders. Yes. That's it. Yes, it used to. That was on PlayStation One, I believe. Also, okay, yeah. This new Geo Pocket Color was awesome. Sixteen bit graphics in your hands. This is like ninety nine. It was fucking <laughs> badass. I regret. Hey, they had a wrestling game, Big Bang Pro Wrestling. I think that was only in Japan because I've never seen that before. Okay, yeah, I don't know that one. Doesn't look that great. I'll be honest. Yeah, <laughs> Doesn't yeah. look that good. But anyways, awesome. So yeah, very good. So that's pretty pretty much my week. So uh, let's move over to the question of the week. So yes. this week. Uh, like last week, it's a, it's about a tweet I retweeted a, a few nights back and it's one that I think the, the three of us are as qualified as anyone to answer, seeing as we just spent the past couple months with the man's work. So I ask you gentlemen, mm-hmm. is Rob Zombie an auteur? And, and before you answer that, let me, let me give the definition of auteur. It um, is a filmmaker whose individual style and complete control over all elements of production give a film its personal and unique stamp. Now, we normally associate the term auteur with filmmakers like Kubrick, uh, Hitchcock, uh, Francois Truffaut. Um, and I, I don't think there's anyone who would argue that Rob Zombie is in the same league as those men. But does Zombie have enough artistic authority over his body of work that he earns the title of auteur. You know, it's funny because me and my friends at the golf club, we were talking about it the other day, and we were saying how François Souffaut is the Rob Zombie of the 1960s. So <laughs> the answer is no, no. He's he, he's a graffiti artist. He takes something that's already built and he spray paints his shit over it. I would say no, he's not an auteur. Did you watch that video that uh, was posted? That I was uh, retweeting? No, I'm not on Twitter all the time, so I, I miss a lot of tweets. I know, I know. That's why I was curious. Oh, that's fine. That's why I was just curious. No, what, what was the video? Um, it was an argument for Rob Zombie, the auteur. Oh, Jesus Christ. You should watch it. It 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 makes a good case. He, 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 and, and, uh, I, and I think there is a case to be made for him. Um, you know, though only, he's... The only sick. real stamp he has 
for all of his movies is you could tell it's a Rob Zombie movie because the dialogue is trying to be Tarantino, but it's not. And his wife's in it. Oh, man, I disagree with you so much. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I just find he, he, he's, he regurgitates so many themes over and over again. So I think he's more of a plagiarist. Well, I wouldn't say plagiarist. He, he's his own copycat. You know, he, he's he's clearly not the revolutionary that any of those other filmmakers were or, or the perfectionist that Kubrick was, anything like that. But, you know, I would argue that he still has a clear enough and, and unique enough style over his entire filmography that he would fit this definition of an auteur. Now, there's a bunch of different definitions of it. it, it does it exist? Does auteur theory exist or not? Is it bullshit? Yeah, probably. But it's just a, a, a good conversation starter. Um, but his his use of color... Uh, camera movement, his shot selection, the overall theme of brutality. Um, it's evident in almost his entire body of work and, and excluding the animated film, though I, I do think there are even elements in that film that scream Rob Zombie. But the thing is, I just, it, it's easy to know that you're watching a Rob Zombie film because of these facts. It's just as easy it is to point out that you're watching a Hitchcock film, a Kubrick film, something like that. So I, I would argue that, yeah, he could be an auteur. He, in the very loosest sense, I would agree with that mm-hmm. because he does have a style and everything else. Even when, yeah. even when he's emulating Kubrick with um the witching witches movie, which movie? Lord of Salem. Uh, Lord of Salem. So Lord of Salem. Even when he's emulating Kubrick there, because that mm-hmm. has a very shining feel to it, you can yeah. tell it's zombie. Uh, it, just because of the way he does it, and. Mm-hmm. It, he does have a style there. I will give you. I will give you that he has a, a style to his film, and his films are recognizable. An author. I don't, I don't think he's a very good one, though, because he. Yeah, that's another well, argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a t- completely different argument. Uh, right. But yeah, I think he he definitely does have a style for his films. I, I will give you that. I don't think an author would actually go to a crowdfunding site to find to fund his film. I don't think he would. Uh, I, I, I disagree. would not do that. Look at Truffaut. Like what he did as as a filmmaker, he was Truffaut. Gorilla Truffaut would never be an Indiegogo pleading for for twenty dollars to get a set hat. That that's just no. I, I I can't agree with that. At the most, he's maybe a blogger. He's a Huff Post writer. <laughs> I yes, that's a, zombie is a Huff Post writer at best. Oh man, at best because there's actually some really damn yeah. good bloggers out there. There's nobody good on HuffPo. <laughs> Gross. Oh, the only reason man. why you know it's a so, zombie film is because he has the same fucking people over and over again. <laughs> you know? Like, it's not because, oh, look at the shading he used or look at the light selection. No. You see his fucking wife on TV or the guy from the from the caveman commercial. You know? Um, no, that's how you... I disagree. Ah, well, hey, I'm glad we, we don't agree on everything. But, uh, yeah. no. <laughs> he's more of a dumpster diver than an author. Oh, man. I mean, does it matter? No, um, frankly, not at all. But, um, you know, the, this auteur theory was started in the 40s and it's been debated since about the 60s by much smarter film minds than myself, like Pauline Kael and, and Andrew Saris. But, um, you know, take it with that grain of salt. I just thought it would be uh, an interesting topic to discuss, especially given the fact that we, we it, covered him so like, recently. He's made some good movies, again, in the minority, Halloween 2. Um, some other podcasts mm-hmm. that I do follow, they've uh, tackled that film. And I haven't listened to the podcast mm-hmm. yet, but just looking at the, at the uh, stream of comments on Facebook, um, I'm in the minority yeah. that people think uh, Halloween 2 sucks and they have really? their right to do so. 
Um, I also have the right to say that I don't think it does suck, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So everybody's got their, their pinnacle films, but I can't say with his current body of work that he would be a, a celebrity director or, you know, he's not going to, there won't be, there won't be a Rob Zombie presents 20 years from now on, uh, you know, like, uh, you know what I mean? Um, I, I just don't think he'll ever reach that echelon in his current form. Yeah, see, I, I don't think uh, calling him an auteur is necessarily calling him even a good filmmaker. I think those are two different two different things uh, to me. I don't know. I'm going to post the link to that yes, video um, that I found. It was – oh, shit. I can't remember. It's one of the streaming web- websites, not the new one, not Filmstruck. Was it but- uh, www.robzombiestreaming.com? <laughs> no, it's one with the, the fucking penguin is their logo. Whatever. I don't know. I'll, I'll post to it. I'll find it in my feed again and post to it. Just it, uh, like I said, I think it presents an interesting argument. And uh, again, what, what's the relevance? Very little, but I think it's interesting anyway. It's a conversation so. piece. Exactly. And and uh, we'd love to hear your responses to our questions of the week here. So uh, specifically this one, especially because, you know, a lot of you went through this Rob Zombie arc, arc with us. So hit us up on Twitter at Cinefessions. Email us at contactsinfessions.com um, and we'd uh, we'd love to hear from you. So Yes, please. All right. We ready to talk about Pitch Black? Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. So I kind of talked uh, more on Twitter about some of the things I was watching this week more so than I normally do because I like to save it for the podcast. And I was so tempted to to, to kind of spew my thoughts on this after the after watching it. Uh, which tells you that I was, I, I clearly, it had some effect on me. I, I felt passionately about it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's hopefully a good thing. So Pitch Black, um, and as always, there will be spoilers for Pitch Black. So if you've not seen the film, definitely pause the podcast now. Go watch it. Come back in a couple hours and hit play. And then uh, we'll be able to talk about it with all the spoilers we want. So Pitch Black was released in 2000, directed by David Tui. Mm-hmm. I didn't look up how to say his name. Yeah, Is that right? right? Uh, two A. Okay, perfect. Okay, uh, written by uh, Jim Wheat, Ken Wheat, and Mister Two A. And <laughs> I sound like such an idiot when I say it's it. Like an right. author. <laughs> 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 I'm sure I said that wrong too. That's all right. Don't matter. Has an IMDb score of seven point one out of one hundred ninety five thousand nine hundred two votes currently. Has a Metacritic score of forty nine, a Tomato meter of fifty seven percent, with an audience score of seventy seven percent. It had a twenty three million dollar budget with a gross of thirty nine point two million. So, what is your history with Pitch Black? Uh, Ash, we'll start with you because I think you have kind of, I would guess, the the deepest history with it. Um. I actually saw, I didn't get to see it in theaters. Um, uh, I think I was moving at the time it came out. Um, my mm. first experience with it was with a bootleg video CD of the film. <laughs> um, and then uh, I watched that and then immediately went out and bought an actual <laughs> DVD version of the film. Because um, <laughs> uh, I was like, that was amazing, even with the really shitty job they did converting it to video CD. Um and uh and i uh i've loved the movie ever since i've seen it i don't know how many times it's like it, i i watch it at least once a year probably okay. more so very good and what about you mark what's your history with this? Uh, i don't recall seeing this in theaters i'm pretty sure i bought it on dvd as soon as it came out though yeah. okay so i've, I've watched yeah. it multiple times on dvd since but uh yeah so you've seen it yeah okay yeah this is the first time i've seen this one really? um, i bought it 
Yeah, yeah. Best. I think it was. I could be wrong, but I feel like. I don't know if they were Best Buy exclusives or what they were, but okay. Best Buy uh, is where I bought it at least. They released these um, this line of steel books that like mimicked uh, a comic book cover, and I loved them. And so I basically just bought everything I didn't have, and this was one of them. And so I've had it since then, um, but I've never opened it. This is the first time I opened it and redeemed the digital copy and all that <laughs> jazz. But so I've never seen it. I've never seen the Chronicles of Riddick, and I've never seen Pitch Black. Uh, not Pitch Riddick is the other. Yeah, last I've one. never seen the two other and ones. So this is obviously. Okay, this really? is obviously the start of the of a trilogy. Ash, have you you've seen both of them? I know because you reviewed Riddick for the site. Yeah, um, and there's there's like an animated in between movie uh, that takes oh, yeah. between um, uh, Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick. Okay, it's actually pretty good. Um, but good. Uh, you don't you don't have to watch it to watch Chronicles of Riddick. But uh, gotcha. it's fun. So I guess I don't. I wish I had a better way to start a more constructive way to start this. But I'm just going to kind of throw it out there and then go from there. I fuck, I hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought it was just terrible in almost every sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, I wish I had a more constructive start, but I don't know. So right from, right from the get-go, the editing in this film is so jarring, yeah. frantic, and confusing to me. That it it just any of the tension that's create that they're trying to create with it, I feel like is lost because I don't know what the fuck is going on a lot of the time when the this is happening. And this fran- frantic opening here is kind of a good start of that. You know, the camera shaking for um, a good amount of the time, which no, I don't tend to have a problem with shaky cam. Mm-hmm. Um, but here it just bugged me. I don't know if it was going too long or if it was just mixed with the editing, the quick cuts. I don't know what it was, but, uh, right from the get go, I was, I was having a problem with it. You know, you're right with the editing just because like Mm -hmm. the scenes, they tend, they tend to be slapped oddly together, you know, where you go, one scene where Riddick's, you know, he's sitting in a chair. Then next year, right away, it's him running. It's like. Right. It just seems it's very choppy. I'm not sure if that's deliberate or not, but it just, there's no flow. It's it's very like stopgap, you know? Yes. One perfect example of that is when Riddick is talking to, uh, what's her name? Which? The main, the main girl. The the pilot? Yes. Yeah, that's that's Carolyn Fry. Fry, yes. Um, She's talking with Fry. Um, and I think it's the moment where he's being kind of creepy and like getting all up close to her yeah. and shit. Um, and basically puts some doubt into her head about John's and he, she watches him walk away. And literally the next second she is standing in another room watching him shoot, uh, morphine into his yeah. eye. It's just like, wow, this is just, it, ah, it's just so much passage of time with nothing that shows us we're passing time not a not a static shot of an of where we're at you know an establishing shot there's just nothing it's just boom 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 and it's it's just the word that kept coming back to me was jarring yeah um and that bugged yeah, me. no I, I agree with you uh re-watching it now because it's been a few years since i'd seen it mm-hmm. um i have felt the same way i'm like these scenes just yeah. seem to be like stapled one after another there is no yes, flow whatsoever mm-hmm um Ash, what did you think about uh, th- this aspect of it? I guess like the editing and the way that the the, shot, the scenes were put together. I, it, it actually doesn't bug me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it was well, I think it was like a staple of the time anyway. I remember Gone in 60 Seconds being like that, too. And that came out around the same time, if I remember right. See, but I'd be interested to watch that movies, one again. Yeah, a lot I of the action movies around around going into the aughts were like that. Um, I don't know. I, I've seen it so many times. I don't think it bog- bothers me anymore. Really. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't know. And. I guess maybe because there's enough like establishing shots before like they really kind of do the editing. I, mm-hmm. I kind of know where everything is. So I that might just be because I've seen it so many times, too. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, it's hard to, to separate. I guess you to separate yourself from when you've seen it that many times. Like, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, And some of them I, I can't. I don't I can't give it a specific example of why or a specific reason why it reminded me of this, but at points it felt like a like mid nineties made for TV movie. Yes. Um I th- one spot yeah, okay, good. I, I thought the same thing. I'm thinking it felt like a a, a made for television sci fi film. Like on the sci fi channel, like a right. Saturday night sci fi. Mm-hmm. Just because it just had that feel. Just w- 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 it, it, it with the editing it. and then just the different colored lenses for the different suns and oh god let's not even talk about it, that yet yeah <laughs> to me it seemed it seemed oh, like a man. sci-fi channel uh original you film know? yeah absolutely right and we, no i, I was I just kidding obviously we can absolutely you, talk you about go that back but. and pull up a sci-fi channel original from 2000 it will look absolutely nothing like this <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> it's just it's that like, feeling i, I don't you, know i would give you that the 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 effects and stuff that they kind of did with this would fit sci-fi channel exclusive whatever's mm-hmm. now but not in the late 90s early aughts no not even fucking close <laughs> trust me because i was watching the weekend. <laughs> but i think as well having a mostly uh Syrian cast kind of added to that because you know some of the films that uh, bruce campbell did you know the man with the screaming brain all that stuff you know he's filming in romania yeah. and it looks cheap this is mm-hmm. the same way where you know this one is filmed in australia with a lot of local actors but with the special effects they used some of them really worked but some of it really made the film look low budget television yeah i agree and i think they used um, some like so when they got outside, I just oh my god, the color grading it just it felt like I was watching an amateur YouTube video that was experimenting with how to color grade a film. Yeah. Uh, it was so over the top, so ridiculous, and it made the picture even on my Blu ray look pretty shitty. Um, and just I, I forget what I was going with that, but just, yeah. just, I just hated that part you know, of it. Like the uh, I, I still own the original, I guess, DVD release of this film. So yeah. watching this DVD on my big screen, it had, mm-hmm. you know, it's got that, you know, because it's not blue, it's not as crisp, any, as crisp anymore. So it's got a right. bit of a weird grainy sheen to it, which I think kind of mm-hmm. helped the film a bit. But you're right, it's not a, it's not a clean movie at all, you know, when it comes yeah. to, the, to the picture. Um I think right. the movie excels when it's in the dark. So I think the movie is a lot better during the second half of this film. Okay. And I, I remembered where I was going with that because we were talking about the special effects. I think they use those color grading techniques and, and kind of what the world looks like through this character's eyes, through Riddick's eyes, or or what things look like through the monster's eyes, the creature's eyes. I think they use those to kind of cover up the uh, the poor special effects. Uh, that I well, I seeing. think it's a it's the the shitty look of the sets, 
you know, when they go dark, mm-hmm. um, like all those like uh, calcified bones and stuff don't look really mm-hmm. good in, in light, but in the darkness, I find the way that they're lit and with the shadows, they look a lot more uh, dangerous. Um, but see, yeah. I kind of liked when you saw the, uh, you know, when you saw through the eyes of the, of the alien, you know, when it's like the silvery look and then when you had the purple look with diesel, I didn't mind that so much because it was different. Me, it was mostly the beginning yeah. of the three, uh, the three suns and everything's almost color, everything's color corrected. Eh, it's like a bad Instagram filter. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think at the time, um, we hadn't like they hadn't depicted other worlds like that at all either, though. And and realistically, that's kind of what it would look like if you had a blue sun and like, you know, in the sky mixing it up. And we hadn't really seen that in sci fi movies at the time. Like they had all been Earth like or they'd been like red like Mars. And it's just like, you know, they t- tried to do something different. with mm-hmm. But and they fell yeah. flat on their face. <laughs> they experimented. It, 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 That's what it. F- I would agree with you. That's what it felt like was a big experiment, and I just none. It just wasn't cohesive to me. It was just kind of let's see what sticks. Let's see what works, and so little of it did. I yeah. Thought. Uh, right in the beginning, um, when Vin Diesel, like they do the crash, um, and Vin Diesel. Um, excuse me, Riddick uh, gets out and they're trying to find him or whatever. And then all of a sudden him, him and John's are fighting. And then Riddick, as far as I can remember, Riddick had him and then just let him go. And he fell to the ground. Like, I don't know what happened there. And that's just another example of, I feel like the editing being unclear. I don't know if it was just like, they didn't, f- I don't know. And maybe I missed it, but it's just. Riddick really likes to fuck with John's and he does yeah. that throughout the movie. Uh, he He's not necessarily. I don't know. It, it's it, a lot of like the little stuff he does, like he'll pop up and then just kind of vanish, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that type of stuff. But I don't know. It, but yeah, he definitely does mess with John's quite a bit throughout the movie, whether yeah. it's like attack him and then just disappearing or, or whatnot. But <laughs> um, the uh, I, at one point I, I was about 15 minutes in and I wrote, I fucking hate this. Like if I wasn't watching it for the, sh- for the podcast, I probably would have shut it off <laughs> at that point. Uh, this was like after the um, three sons and um, what's his name? Pr- uh, Paris was smoking the cigar on the top of the ship and all that area. But uh, the first part, I th- the first moment where I thought, well, that, that was a cool moment was when uh, Johns is asking Caroline's, Carolyn uh, Fry what Owens meant by don't pull the handle. And Riddick shows up behind her in the shadows. I thought that was really cool. And then he caught her hair off and sniffed it for some fucking reason. And it kind of ruined what I thought was a cool Yeah, moment. that was weird. And plus his shiv didn't look that sharp. You know, it, it, you know it, it, it's a <laughs> right. claw. And I'm like, or whatever. It was like, it looked like a, like a, a curvy dagger. And I'm like, there's no mm-hmm. way that thing is sharp enough to cut her hair or even her noticing in the first place. Right. Yeah. That was just weird to me. I'm like, why is he going sexually creepy though? Like, it doesn't match his character. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. That's what I didn't get. Yeah. And I think that happens again because – and I'm jumping all over and that's totally fine. Um, I think that happens again later on kind of at that moment I was talking about earlier where he's acting like a creep, like just getting really close to her and the way he's looking at her and everything. And it's like they're tr- they're trying to build Riddick up as, as this, a person that the audience likes. But then he kind of does this like perverted, creepy scene and it just felt so out of what they were trying to build him mm-hmm. as. And it, 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 again, just threw me off, threw me out of it. 
Um, what? And I'm sure this is just something I missed. Okay. But what was it that they were all sucking on? It looked like a, like a modern e-cigarette or something. Question. What is it? Oxygen? I thought it was like. It's oxygen. Is it? It's oxygen. Yeah. But they're okay. able to. What did you well, think? I thought it was maybe some type of drug, just because like they're able to oh. breathe the atmosphere. So why are they sucking mm-hmm. on these the, this tubing? To- there, there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough oxygen in the air for them to run. But it didn't seem to have a problem yeah, at the end, it. though. Like at the end, none of them had the gear, and they were running no problem. Yeah. So to yeah, me, that's a very good. To me, that wasn't very well uh, clarified because I thought it was maybe just some, like you know, maybe it's like their version of weed or something, like just to keep calm and whatever, you know. Right. Um, because because then when when yeah, Claudia Black, you know, there's there's a deleted scene in the DVD that wasn't theatrical where Claudia Black, her character is uh, Sharon or Shaza, uh, the one with the dark curly oh, yeah. hair. She goes to Riddick and uh, as a peace offering, gives her or gives him her breathing apparatus. And then he throws it to the ground, and she's yes. like, "Hey, there's still a few good hits left." So to me, it's like it's a calm their nerves. It's mm-hmm. some sort of you know. Um, oh, that's interesting because that I watched the like unrated or the director's cut or whatever, and that was in that and that was in it. So it's interesting to know that that was a scene that was cut from the theatrical. Yeah, yeah. So so to I've actually never watched the theatrical version. Me neither. I've only seen this DVD okay. version, so that's all I know about it. But to me, it seems like it's maybe like a uh, you know it, it calms their anxieties or something. Lets them. I don't know. Don't they? Um, don't divers refer to that as like hits of oxygen, too, when they're sharing tanks? You know what? I could. I feel like that's true. Yeah. I watched it twice in the last twenty four hours, and I did not catch that at all. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. But I could. I could buy that being oxygen. I, and I do feel like, yes, I've heard that as a statement before, you know, a hit taking the oxygen well, from something like you're talking it about. It would make sense. And maybe they're doing that just to acclimatize mm-hmm. to the atmosphere. But I just didn't. Right. Just the way they used it, to me, it was a recreational drug. Yeah. Because why would she be so pissed that he, you know, throws her gear to the ground? Like, if there's only oxygen, who cares? But, oh, if it's a drug that I kind of need to, to stay cool, then, hey, you know, I understand why I'm so nerved by it after. Well, if it's if it's oxygen on a planet or whatever the well, rock that is lacking oxygen, I could see why she would care. But yeah, I uh, remember them saying that the air was thin. Was I, I do I do remember something about that as well. Yes, but tossing that into the air, if we buy that, then what the fuck happened in the second half of the movie? Because they're running all over the exactly. place and they don't have any oxygen. Exactly. And so it just, yeah, I don't know. Um, how did you guys think? Uh, what did you guys think about the casting in this? Is there anyone in particular that kind of stood out to you as good or bad or anything? I like Cole Hauser a lot. Um, he's like okay. the only that's John's. That's, that's right? John's eye. He's the only reason why yeah. I'd watch Too Fast Too Furious because it's not for Tyson. Mm. Um, I, I dig him as a bad guy in Too Fast Too Furious. He was awesome in Paparazzi, which I need to watch again. That's one I have not watched since I saw in theaters. Um, so I think the guy is just cool. He's got this cool drawl to him, um, and he he doesn't. He he's he looks like an everyman, you know, a, a prettier everyman, but he's still like, you know, he's not super powered. He's nothing special. He's just a badass and an addict as well. But I've always liked Johns, and I like Cole Hauser's portrayal of him. Um, oh, you like Johns? I do. Okay. I did. I do like Johns. Um, I thought you know he was pretty cool. Uh, Radna Mitchell as well. I like a lot. You know, I've seen her in a lot of stuff. Um, first thing comes to mind is Sound Hill, which I thought she killed it in Sound Hill. Um, 
I'm not a Silent Hill fan, but I did. I do like no. her. I did like her in this. Uh, her, I liked her work in this. I thought some moments of the character um, were kind of written poorly and made her seem weak when uh, I don't think she needed to. Yeah, be. Um, and also I like Claudia Black. But she's also she's also very human. In yes, it, a lot. Well, her yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. her decisions in the beginning of the like the first scene in the film really affects yeah. her character throughout the whole movie. You know, like she mm-hmm. wanted to jettison everybody and because of the uh, save her own ass. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so now I think she's trying to make amends and trying to save as many people as she can. Right. I thought that was very obvious, yeah. a very obvious arc through it. And, yeah. I, and I also like Claudia Black. I'm a big Farscape fan. So it's and I don't watch Stargate. Yeah. I know she's done Stargate since and whatnot, but um, I like seeing her in stuff that isn't in Farscape. <laughs> you know, um, so I I, re- and I think Farscape was still going strong at the time. So it was cool to see her in a non-Farscape role, even though she plays something kind of similar. She's not as badass as her Farscape character. So what uh, what about you, Ash? Was there any any anybody else, I guess? The only one that sticks out to me as off is Keith yeah. David. Ah, thank you. That's the one I was. That's what I was fishing for. I, I love Keith David. I yes. love his I love his voice work. I love mm-hmm. him in just about every other movie. It's like every other scene he's in in Pitch Black is off. I yeah. the character's interesting. He's an interesting mm-hmm. character. It's just I would agree. Yeah. I don't I don't think he was right necessarily for that part. But other yeah. than that, I'm I'm okay with the casting. Yeah, that's that's the one that kind of stuck out to me. Um I I and honestly, I think he gets better i buy it more as the as the film goes on toward the end but especially in the beginning kind of half of it i was just like man i'm not i I feel like this is a completely miscast role and i think keith david's a great actor it's just it wasn't working for me at all um but i think it got he got better as it went on which i don't know why exactly but um maybe it was just he got more interesting the character self got more interesting so i was kind of buying into it a little. i thought it was creepy it was traveling with three uh, young boys (laughs) <laughs> I, I just did. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why religion, man? Why are you yeah. with these three young boys? Right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I he was a priest. Mm. Yeah. Three <laughs> we all, oh, y'all boys. know how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> fucks their altar boys. I mean, come on. <laughs> that is crazy. Oh, man. Um. I thought Cole Hauser did a really good job with his role, but I absolutely hated the role of John's. I thought he was, he just devolved into this kind of almost stereotypical alpha male who wanted to dominate the situation. And man, was I happy to see him die because he was just as misogynistic as it gets. I absolutely love the setup. To get for for Riddick to get Johns too. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. No, I, I yeah, I, I did as well. about you know ditching the girl and it's, well, yeah, you know, we just came out here to ditch you. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought his death scene was pretty awesome. You know when, when that uh, when the the monster yes. you know, bites his head off. I I thought that's like the only good death scene. I think. Uh, yeah, I have I to agree with I that. I disagree. I disagree. I like, uh, I think, uh, her death scene at the end when she's talking. Around yeah. And that thing swoops down and grabs her and pulls her. The away. slow motion was awesome. That's a fantastic. Yeah. It's emotionally great. The other one that's really good is the drunk oh. guy. Uh, when he gets separated from the rest of the group 
and he takes a swig of alcohol yes. and blows it out with the oh that was pretty cool the flamer out and lights it all up and then he's like yeah fuck yeah <laughs> he just, right <laughs> that one that cool. one's pretty cool definitely uh go back to the last one because uh that one i i don't think was good the moment where she gets killed again i think the way it was edited was unclear and i'm looking through uh i was just like going through imdb just for the hell of it to see what people had to say about it and it was confusing on there as i thought it was confusing Uh, like other people were with me thinking it was confusing did he did riddick stab her first what like was she just taken by this like what the fuck i think it was confusing like i understand the thing grabbed her i thought that was pretty. yeah i thought so too because then they pull her away like she got stabbed by its tail, and then they took off with her. Yeah, because yeah. Riddick is in complete shock. Yes. Like when it happens, he's just like, and he's just like, no, you know, you know, he finally found like a kindred spirit, and see, and that's the thing. So, I think that Vin Diesel is—he's actually—I find him a very underrated actor. I think he does really good work, and he is able to do a lot more than what he's given here. They cast him for his looks. And the one moment they have where he can actually, uh, you know, act, quote unquote, where he can emote, if you will, they cut him short. They give him six fucking words when this one girl who he clearly had feelings for of some sort dies. They give him six words. What the hell does he say? Uh, Not for me, not for me. And before he can even finish those six words, the camera is already off of him. So giving him no emotional... Uh, no time for any emotion whatsoever and and robbing the audience of that moment where she dies and this is happening, something uh, emotional is about to happen and, and you cut away. And again, you go right to the next fucking scene where he's, you know, getting revenge by lighting the other uh, creatures on fire in the ship. And it's just like, come on, give us a second, give us something, let him do something besides look muscular. And I think I just, I hated that last death. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, see, I don't see it that way. Um, but no, that, okay. that's cool. I, I thought that the death was actually, it really hit. And especially when the slow motion hit. And, they, they, you know, he didn't have to say much because it was on in their eyes. You know, the way she looks at You him, couldn't see his eyes. They were but, covered you know, in the, black. The way she looks at him and the way he's looked at everybody else during the film. You, you saw the connection. I never thought that they'd be a couple, you know, or a love interest. But they were, right. you know, they had a stake in the same battle, were, you know. Um, there was mutual respect. I think so, yeah, because she's making amends and he's making amends as well, you know? Um, yeah. Especially after that conversation, would you die for that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that- and this shows as well, like, she's, she, like, her character had a whole arc from, you know, wanting to, you know, gain, to, to wanting to save her ass to wanting to save everybody's ass. Um, so it, it really hits the, the audience, I think, when she dies because you don't really expect it because she's the, the hero of the film, you know. It, it's not. I, uh, it's not Riddick. You know, I, I would agree that I didn't expect it, but I thought they just they neutered the moment the way that it was it was shot and handled and edited poorly. I thought, but I you know if it if it hit you, then obviously I could be in the minority, and that's totally oh. cool. Whatever. Um, but movies, yeah, I don't know. There was just something movies, missing, you know, yeah, for these me. These all hit us different ways, you know? So whatever yeah, I see and uh, I comprehend is different from the other person. That's part of the fun of these podcasts. Yeah. But, exactly, and then yeah. going back on Riddick or on Vin Diesel, I don't think it was that big of a star at the time. Like to me, no, like not. I remember an IGN article before this movie came out saying he's going to be the next big name because of this movie coming out. So to me, this is the first film where I actually recognize Vin Diesel for who he is. 
because then it's a following year he did Fast and the Furious and then XXX and whatnot. Um, I, yeah. I don't think I, I even heard of Boiler Room until much later because this came out the same year as Boiler Room. and Which is brilliant. Yes. Oh, fantastic film. And like he was a character in Saving Private Ryan, but that's an ensemble cast where he's not featured. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll be the one to say I've never seen the Iron Giant. So doing like his voice act. Oh, man. Um, so yeah, good. that's what I keep hearing. I just have never seen it. But – yeah. Like, this is the first film where I think he was able to portray more of his chops, you know? Um, so I don't know but, if people, yeah. like, if maybe he didn't get as much in this role because people didn't know what he actually can do because this is his first big feature film, you know? Right. But that's the director's job yes. to know what he can do and, and let us see it, you know? And, you know, and speaking of the director, um, Mm-hmm. I went back to see what his bibliography is or his filmography. Yeah, I, and I did too. Yeah, he he's done a lot of stuff I have loved. Like I remember Timescape or Grand Tour Disaster in Time. I remember watching this for the first time in '92. Like good film, Arrival with Charlie Sheen, whatever. But uh, after Pitch Black, he did Below, the underwater uh, submarine haunted. Uh, well, I guess haunted submarine film. It's amazing. I love this film. And then he also filmed, apart from the uh, Riddick films, A Perfect Getaway, which was underrated. Yeah. So I really liked A Perfect Getaway. He's yeah. made some decent films, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't made more. I mean, he, he wrote The Fugitive. He wrote Waterworld. Uh, wrote Warlock. G.I. Jane. Um, Jane. I mean, yeah, like he has a, a very uh, impressive film. He also did an early draft of Alien 3. And... He actually wrote Warlock from 89, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, so he's done some really good stuff. I just think this one is, it's not a hit, it's not a miss, it's in between. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. um, go ahead, I'm oh, sorry. As much as we're kind of poo the film, at least I think we are, um, I will say I do love when they're in the dark and they're using the different light sources. The, the the blue uh, the blue light the green flares the yellow flame which you know it is you know I guess in relation with all the different suns I just think the blue flame or the blue uh, the green flame in the dark the yellow flame in the dark looks a lot better than you know the gre- the blue sun with a blue filter on on the screen I just find mm-hmm. uh, the 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 shadow usage of this movie is really well done. Yeah, I liked when they found. I, I think there were bugs of some yes. sort that they put them in the jar and made the. I thought that was really mm-hmm. cool. And visually, it looks nice. Yes, exactly. Watching it the first time, and, and it doesn't matter. This is just a stupid question just came mm-hmm. in my head. Did you know that the uh, the one character was actually a girl who was she was trying to act like a boy throughout the whole thing? Did, did that, was that a surprise to you, or did you know that? That's a surprise to me the first time I saw it. Yeah, it was. It was to me too. What yeah. about you, Ash? What did you say? I'm sorry. The first time, yes. But. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was um, interesting. I don't really know why it mattered, though. I, I, I don't know why that was done, I guess. Um, but I was surprised. Well, but what's the she point? Was, she was trying to fit in and not stick out and not... Um, because, yeah, even in a sci-fi world, it's more dangerous to be a young woman on your own. And, you know, she was on her own. So, hey, I can pretend to be a guy. No big deal. I don't know why it bugged me so much when she tried to emulate the look of Riddick. When she shaved her head with what? I don't know. And then found the (laughs) goggles. How? I don't know either. But she was able to look just like him. 
And I'm like, oh, that bugs me. I don't like this character at all. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I like that. I don't know why I thought that was charming, but yeah. Yeah, I just, it's like, okay, whatever. Okay, so you got a head of hair hidden under a hat. And you're gonna sh- you're gonna <laughs> shave your head with a with a bone shiv and mortar oil just like he did, right. you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't think so. Uh, um, I thought when Ali died, I thought his skeleton looked really bad. It just looked like a prop. I was really hoping there's gonna be something better presented. Uh, that was like the first of um, Keith David's kids or whatever the hell yeah, they were. And they were the, the kids, concubines. But, you know. did, we, did we see his? Did we see his actual corpse, or was that one of the people that was left over? I can't remember. Now. No, because doesn't that body drop from the sky, like all meaty? There's still some meat left. Yeah, like I think there's like uh, still blood in it and everything. Yeah. All uh, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But yeah, for scavengers, those uh, those buggy things really do leave a lot of meat on the bone. It's mm-hmm. a waste. Exactly. It's a waste, guys. Right. Not in my house. Oh, I. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, what was john's is actor's name cole hauser uh cole hauser who <laughs> one point he reminded me of like a poor man's matthew mcconaughey <laughs> you know what i can see that i can totally see that just just the way he delivers his lines and right exactly a, something in his he's the same way i listened to the commentary between him uh the director and vin diesel and holy fuck was that boring mm-hmm. so much dead air and they're like, oh, oh really? man, I really like this scene. Oh, yeah, this is one of the best scenes in the movie. Oh, yeah, this scene's really good. When did we film this the first week? Yeah, we filmed this the first week. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Oh, I should have listened to the visual commentary one. Or the one with the, yeah. the, the visual effects guys. Because that commentary <laughs> with, the, with the two actors was boring as fuck. It was like, it was like <laughs> a Rob Zombie commentary. I feel like you... Uh... You're kind of only like 25% there. Like a lot of the times you wish you would have watched the other commentary track. Oh, totally. I, to- I totally wish 100%. That was yeah. a waste of time. It's like a, uh, a shot in the dark because obviously you'd have no idea, but you only have so much time. And it's just, it sucks when we make the wrong choice for That's that. That's the thing. If I had another day, I think I would have watched or listened to the other commentary. Or even if I had an extra yeah. two hours, I would have maybe turned off the first one, but I was kind of mm-hmm. cutting uh, close so. Yeah, right. I have to stick with my decision, and I hate myself. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I have hate such myself. poor judgment. <laughs> oh man, um, I was really hoping that we were going to get like a close up of uh, one of those creatures, and throughout the kind of the first you know three quarters of the film, and then we finally did, and I was incredibly disappointed. Uh, there's just no detail in it whatsoever, and like they cover. I feel like where his eyes would be just looked like a piece of metal. Like I don't, it wasn't metal obviously, but it was just like a flat silver piece. And then we see like the CGI teeth that looked really bad. I was so disappointed when we finally got these creatures up close. I find, you know, uh, the, and I think, you know, since alien, you will say this, but uh, I find any, any aliens uh, look a lot like Geiger's alien. Or they're Geiger influenced, yeah. You know, with the, with the mm-hmm. shape. This felt a lot like a, a Geiger alien, um, but more of a you know you splice Geiger aliens with a Starship Trooper bug, and that's what you got for Pitch Black. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I, I didn't mind the design. I didn't mind it being so much in the darkness because sometimes less is more. Um, so I didn't see much of a problem with the alien itself. I thought the alien special effects were actually pretty decent. Uh, for the time, at least, I thought they aged well. 
uh, you know, uh, we were talking about uh, Event Horizon uh, on the last episode, how I thought some of the special uh, CGI effects didn't didn't really age very well. Yeah, hold up, right. I, I thought this did I, a lot more than Pitch Black, or a lot more than Event Horizon. See, I, and yeah, that's very interesting because I'd be the complete opposite. I guess we're enemies now. See, I, I think. I, <laughs> That's a good See, conclusion. I think Pitch Black's definitely aged better because they they knew they were kind of they hid them better. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, you know they, that's, they weren't, that's, that's they weren't like just dragging them out and like you know oh look at this crappy floating water bottle we have. Mm-hmm. I, I totally you know, agree. It, it, you know they it, it's kind of like Jurassic Park. They knew what they could do and what would look good, and they kept it within that framework. As opposed to, we're gonna go all CG with everything. Yeah. You know, it, it just, I can't yeah. believe you just compared Pitch Black CGI work to Jurassic Park. Hey, you know what? <laughs> CG, my heart. It's the same era. It is the same era, though. Ninety-three Jurassic Park. It's only seven years from Pitch Black, and it does it so much better. Oh yeah, I know. Well, obviously, yeah, the but, much but bigger the hand, budget and everything. But, but on the other hand, I get, I bet. Uh, well, yeah, they also have much very a big, much bigger budget for yeah. Jurassic Park than Pitch Black. Exactly. Yeah, but, but the other thing with Jurassic Park is they also used a lot of full scale puppets for it. Right. It, but so there's a little bit of difference is, there. But yeah, no, that's it, always it, the right choice. More, I'm more comparing the filming techniques. Like when they they do the CGI, you know, T Rex and stuff. They actually, you know, they worked it into the shot and they mm-hmm. planned the shot around it, as opposed to we're just gonna throw a floating water bottle here and call it good. You know. Yeah. I didn't check all the special features on my disc, um, so I'm not sure. Were there practical uh, aliens for this film? Because some of it looked almost practical. Honestly, I'm not I, sure. I, it was, I didn't either. I don't know. I don't know if it's all CGI or not. I don't. Th- I, I don't. Th- I don't believe it would be from what I've seen, but yeah. I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know the when when Riddick is interacting with the skeleton to try to figure out where it can see out of. Uh, that was definitely not CG, but yeah, I don't know right. if beyond that. Yeah. Like, even the scene where, you know, Vin and the alien are face to face and he starts moving left and right and the alien follows it. I didn't think it looked that bad. I really didn't. No, Again, I, during I, darkness, I, you know, but I thought it was a cool scene. Yeah, I like that. Well, it's because you have that weird, uh, the weird shot, the weird effect that they use for the camera. I thought was strange. The, yeah, you you liked too. it though. You're talking about like the silver. Yeah, I did. Um, um, no, at the moment, I thought. Go ahead. No, but the, no, but the, in that sequence as well, though, you see like a scene where they're like at a 45 degree angle above them, and the uh, aliens right, moving right. with the guy, and uh, you know that obviously is that CGI. I think they mentioned it in yeah. the commentary that was after the fact, but I thought that looked pretty co- okay. It, that one didn't look bad. I would agree yeah. with you there. But again, it's just like I wanted more. I don't. I just wanted more to the creature, more detail to the creature. I wanted to. I, I feel like if the creatures were more detailed, it would have taken me into this world a little better than it did. Well, I, I totally understand that. Yeah, you will probably like Riddick then. Yeah, Riddick. And see, Chronicles of Riddick was okay. Um, I'm not going to spoil, but no, uh, no. It, it, just moving ahead in the series. Chronicles of Riddick is like them trying to create this epic space stuff 
out of pitch black and it doesn't necessarily work very well. Mm, it's yeah. decent, but it's not like the tone is completely different from pitch black. Okay. Um, Riddick feels more like pitch black than, than it does Chronicles of Riddick, but it mm. takes place like immediately after Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, okay. Um, but the, uh, I mean, obviously the effects are much better because they're, you know, you've got like, 10 yeah. years between them exactly but uh yeah the uh the creatures in riddick you can see a lot better uh and they're even creepier uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> i think but yeah um <laughs> that one's i don't know it, the editing's not nearly as all over the place in riddick uh mm-hmm. as it is in pitch black chronicles My, of yeah. riddick is a little bit better with the editing. And I think a lot of that has to do with how much, how many special effects shots are in the film. Mm. Uh, and they had to keep the camera steady, but the fight scenes are all over the place in Chronicles of Riddick. And that bugs the shit out of me in that one. It doesn't, <laughs> it that. doesn't so much in this one because you can kind of see what's going on. But in Chronicles of Riddick, like one of the fight scenes, Riddick goes to town on this group of security guys that surround him. And all you can see is like brief flashes. And it's like, it's uh it's all over the place it's just like really i can just skip to the end here we could have just had a blank scene scene and skip to the end with him just standing there and everyone dead and we'd be good <laughs> <laughs> every time we talk about anything like that it always reminds me of um, when we did the neil marshall retrospective with uh doomsday i liked doomsday a lot i think it's really underrated but man the fight scenes just oh bug the hell out of me yeah always reminds me of that but so, I don't know, but yeah, I was kind of jumping ahead in the series because uh, neither yeah. of you have seen Chronicles of Riddick or Riddick. No. The reason why I never seen Chronicles is because I didn't like the whole space opera look of the sequel. Ah. It just it just bugged me. I'm like, how are you making this everything all regal and like almost Elizabethan in space? Hmm. It just does not fit with me. So I just never bothered to check it out. And Riddick, I just never came across it either. So yeah. Okay. All right. Well. <laughs> One moment that made me laugh, and I thought it was just so bad, is it's a good moment uh, as it concludes because it kills John's. But uh, Riddick's like, I'm just wondering if we need a bigger piece of bait. And John says, like, who? And then they stare at each other for a second. Then the camera goes back and forth between their eyes. And just, it's quicker, 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 quicker. And then finally they start punching. I'm like, oh, my God. What the fuck was that? Why did we have to have that? Like, I understand they could stare at each other and go on. But why, like, the laughably, like... It's like live action anime. It's like right. your theory starting to die. Who's going to move first, right? You want to flinch, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of bugged me as well. But It reminded me a little bit of um, the 60s standoff in the Westerns. Sure. Oh, but done much poor, more poorly. Well, Shittlier. No, I don't think <laughs> right. done well in the 60s either. There are very few in the 60s that actually work well. Ooh, the man yeah. with no name trilogy disagrees. Well, no, that's one of the exceptions. that's one of the exceptions. Yeah, good, the bad, and the ugly has one of the best standoff sequences in any right. film ever. Yeah, and, no doubt. Yeah, so so I'm not sure how you guys watch this, but again, I'm watching the original DVD copy. Mm-hmm. Same. I'm not sure about the Blu-ray that you watched, but on my special features, so the two commentary tracks and making of blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I guess to tie in pitch black they had raves so that pitch black raves yes 
<laughs> Did you watch that? So there's a there's a feature. It says here on the back of the box here, the exclusive pitch black rave parties from raveworld.net feature world class DJs. Blah blah blah. So they filmed raves in I think New York, in Los Angeles, and somewhere else. Where so it's a rave, but then there's like I guess pitch black imagery in the background, and people got glow sticks to emulate the glow sticks they use in the film. I'm like. What a weird tie-in, and what a weird special feature for a DVD. <laughs> so, did you watch it? Oh yeah, I did. Well, I think <laughs> I tapped out, uh, you know, with a few minutes left. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so just they're, you know, they're they're showing DJs playing their music, people raving out like they do in raves, and um, <laughs> that's it. I'm like, what the fuck is this? That's it, though. I uh, I had a, I had a uh, conversation on 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 Facebook about it. And I'm like, you know, it's it's a time where uh, people didn't know what to put on as special features on the DVD. And I'm like, you know, you're right. That's And that's why this is such an awesome time capsule. And it's like, <laughs> I don't even know if RaveWorld.net still exists. I'm going to pull that up right now. Find that out. .net. RaveWorld.net. Um, no. Now it says MarketResearchSurveys.com. So it does not it does not work anymore. But back in the day, that would be probably pretty awesome. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave uh, the site. Um, but yeah, so they just had like a, a 10, 15-minute thing of just raves. Wow. Odd. That's crazy. Such a, so odd. Such odd marketing. Yeah, I, I don't know what mine had on. I didn't really take a look at the special feature, so I'm not, I can't say if mine had that or not, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I highly doubt it. Right. But if it did, that'd be awesome to watch. Oh, man. So... I guess I'll, I'll just I'll give my my final thoughts and my star rating here, so we don't have to end on such a sour note. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I've wanted to watch Pitch Black, and I'm going to repeat a lot of things I said, but that's just how my final thoughts are uh, how they're going here, I guess. Um, but I've wanted to watch this for a while, and uh, you know, I can't understate how disappointed I was with it. Um, it's over edited, it's oversaturated, um, and I, I couldn't disagree more with the vast majority of the choices that the director made. Um, the way they color grade the film gives it an amateurish feel, and it even feels like a mid-90s made-for-TV movie at some points, like we were talking about. Um, there's some decent moments where Riddick uses the shadows really well, but they're so few and far between that they're easy to forget. It's a difficult movie to grasp, for me, because of the editing I thought was so all over the place. Um, some seemingly important moments are completely wasted by either a poor shot selection or that poor editing coming back into play. I honestly didn't even make uh, note of a single sound design cue or, or, or a choice in this film, which I think is another big disappointment because of the fact that in these types of films, in a space horror film, the sound design can be one of the best aspects of the film. And here it's a non-issue. Um, I love Vin Diesel. And like I mentioned already, he's, I think he's very underrated. Um, here, he's used for nothing more than his looks, which is just a real waste of his talents. And we, we mentioned, uh, you know, this is kind of one of his first kind of breakout roles, but I feel like he could have done so much more that he wasn't allowed to. Um, even in the moments where he could uh, let the, that talent shine through, they neutered it. They cut it short. Um, and it just, that's so disappointing. Um, there are some decent ideas here, but none of them to me were fully realized. And um, I don't know, honestly, though, I think I'd watch the sequels to see if it can improve on anything that Pitch Black tried to do. So I, I would definitely be interested in checking out the next two. But I am, am giving Pitch Black one out of four stars. What? <laughs> yeah. 
You are, yeah, no. I agree with my wife. You are dead to me. <laughs> oh, man. Mark, what are your final thoughts on Pitch Black and your star rating? Uh, before rewatching it in the last few days, I remember fondly about the film. I remember liking it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, then again, I haven't visited the film in probably a decade. So rewatching it today, I can kind of see its flaws. Um, again, I, I, I like most of the cast. I do like the story. I just feel it's aged a little poorly in some aspects. Uh, just since I think uh, even like, again, TV movies today look a lot better <laughs> than they did back then. So to me, to, this looks like a TV movie from today. Um, yeah, long story short, um, I liked it. Just not as much as before. So my rating would be two and a half out of four. All right. And finally, Ash, what are your final thoughts on Pitch Black? Pitch Black was one of those movies that um, it kind of reignited my love of sci-fi and horror again. Um, Because like I'd kind of drifted back into just, you know, just regular sci-fi and and stuff like that. So I like the mix. Um, I probably haven't noticed it age nearly as much as is as Mark has, because I do watch it like every year. I in hell I watched it for I think I watched it every year we did the the Cinefessions. I think this is a summer challenge. I think this is the first year oh, I, yeah. I haven't watched it. Um so yet. Uh so <laughs> you know I, I don't notice I don't know the I don't notice it aging as much because I you know I I it's constantly there for me. Um I don't know. I can I can kind of see where you're coming from with some of the editing choices. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally like the colors. I like that it, the planet looks completely alien to them. You, you know, it, it looks, you know, it was even at the time it was unlike anything they'd done with sci-fi movies. It's like, yeah, we'd, oh, we'd seen Vulcan, but it looked like a volcanic earth, you know, and, and, and other stuff, you know, in the other sci-fi movies, even in Star Trek, you know, every, every planet they visited was a lot like earth. Oh, look at this. You know, it was like the first really alien planet that we'd got to visit besides, uh, LV 426 and the alien movies really. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then that one you didn't get to see good look at because it was, you know, caught in a big storm the whole time. Um, so, you know, it, I like it for that aspect. The, I like Keith David for the most part. It's just, I don't think he was cast well in this, but I do like most of the rest of the cast. Um, I love, uh, I love the captain. Well, the former captain, she's the, uh, the, the, the main, the, the, the lead of the film. I can never yeah, remember. Fry. Fry. That's it. Um, I love her arc. I I love Riddick because uh, just because of Vin Diesel and uh, I, I like the characters kind of arc. Uh, Cause I, I used to have the games and, and uh, oh, yeah. all, the, all the extra stuff. Yeah. Escape from butcher Bay, uh, which is really good. I, pl- I, I never played the whole thing, but like, I love the first like, I don't know, hour of it that I played or whatever. Yeah. And it's not bad. It's just a, a, the version I played. I actually had to hack it because uh, the Vivendi actually screwed up the um, the uh, the Securum crap on their discs so that it wouldn't oh. run on my computer. So the developer actually had to tell people how to remove the Securum so that the game would actually run uh, <laughs> on PC. <Wow. laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but no, it, it Pitch Black for me is kind of like it's. It's one of those mainstays, and it, it, yeah, it has aged a little bit. 
Um, but uh, no, I, I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, so I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with three out of four stars. All right. Very good. So that's Pitch Black, folks. So next week we will uh, conclude our space horror arc and we are talking about Pandorum. So excellent. All right. So before we finish today, oh, actually, we have a couple things yet before we finish today. So let's move to the first one here. Uh, let's move to round five of the besting the backlog challenge. All so right. as a reminder, this is where we try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. And uh, this feature, each one of us takes a look at the other's unwatched pile, whether it's their uh, home video collections or one of their streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, or Vudu. And you pick one film that the other hasn't seen yet and challenge them to watch that film before the next podcast, where they will then give a quick review of that movie. So this week, Ash, you watched Pandemic as chosen by Mark. Mark, you watched Trashy Lazy Lady. It's chosen by me, and I got to watch Deadpool, thanks to Ash. So, Ash, let's start out. What uh, what did you think of Pandemic? Oh, God, that was a complete waste of my time. I want my... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, the laugh. <laughs> oh. it, it's... Okay, it's not utterly terrible, but it's pretty close <laughs> to utterly <laughs> terrible. Um... It's actually found footage, basically, because they do first-person perspective uh, through cameras mounted on people's helmets the whole movie. Oh, Oh, yuck. Yeah. Uh, So, like, including, like, the action sequences where they're shooting in the infected people. And I'm just like, oh, I'm watching Doom. Yay! Uh, I don't know. It's got the most basic of plots. It's basically like kind of like 28 days later, uh, almost exactly like the symptoms and everything, you know, as far as what happens and when the people go psycho and blah, blah, blah. It just takes longer for the infected to turn. Um, It's not the acting's not horrible, but uh, and like they got the guy who plays Dan Greyjoy is in it and Rachel Nichols is in it. So they're and they're pretty decent in it, but it's just like, I don't know. It is one of the. It's like I saw the, like the the plot twist coming a mile away after a little bit into it. We're just like, yeah, it, it, they just it's I don't know. This would have benefited from actually having been shot like an actual film as opposed to being like the found footage first person hybrid that it is. Yeah, uh, it, it, it the scripts needed work. It just it I don't know. It, hmm. It's basically it's your basic it, like. Honestly, if I were to watch pick between this or 28 days later, I would watch 28 days later. Much better film, much better pacing. And I actually gave a shit about the characters by the end of the movie. I love 28 days later and 28 weeks later. I love both. Yeah, I, I like both of those. But and, and Panda, I, if you like the found footage type of films, you might like this one. You know, I like do. I said, yeah, I know you do. <laughs> but the plot is just, it's very thin. <laughs> like, it's just like, wow. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't get to know any of the characters or anything. It, it just, it, it would have been fitted for about another 10 to 15 minutes and actually shot like an actual proper film as opposed to the first person cameras. So we could actually get to know these people. Because like when you first when they first get into it, you don't know who anybody is. They just kind of toss you in and they don't give enough exposure to make you care about any of these characters. And all of them 
like the the guy who's supposed to be protecting her he acts like an asshole you know it's just like i don't know it it yeah it bothered me yeah. um i i ended up giving this on netflix a two out of five so that's like a what a one and a half out of four okay it's, it's not great i mean if you're if you want something on in the background and you need to kill an hour and a half there you mm-hmm. go um i would not recommend this even with rachel nichols in it so there's okay. mine. very good and uh i'll jump i'll jump over to mine now so uh i did uh deadpool um, so I missed Deadpool when it was in theaters, like I miss virtually every damn movie that hits theaters anymore. So I was really excited to pick it up when it came out on Blu-ray. Um, I think I ended up getting it from Best Buy because they had the, uh, I think, an exclusive steelbook. Don't quote me on that. Um, but I had every intention of watching it right after I bought it. But like with everything else, it ended up sitting on the shelf for a while and I never put it in. Well, I am very happy because uh, Ash gave me this one to pick because I absolutely fucking loved it, which shocker, I know. Um, I, <laughs> I think knew you what, would. <laughs> yeah. I think what shocked me most about the movie was, was the emotional impact that the film had on me. It takes this cancer diagnosis and it makes it feel real. It makes it feel more than just a device to move the plot forward, which I absolutely loved. I respected the film so much for that. Um, I bought the the couple hook line and sinker, and I was torn apart when Wade left Vanessa. I, I was I don't know why. Uh, maybe it was just my time of the month yesterday. I don't know, but man, <laughs> um, or a couple days ago, I guess. But uh, I expected all action and comedy, but there was a lot of heart in here as well, which made it even better. And it also helped that Vanessa, who uh, was played by Marina Baccarin, which I'm probably butchering that name, and I apologize, but man, she is an absolute goddess. Wow. Yes. Um, totally my new movie crush. And I cannot wait to see her in the sequels. Assuming she's going to be in the sequels, um, I would have to assume. But She's in Gotham, uh, by the way. She joins Gotham. Really? Yeah. I'll have to check Gotham, it out. Like, I... Halfway through the first season, I think. Nice. And she's also so... in Firefly and Serenity. Oh, okay. And the V remake as well. Yep. Wow, she's in a lot of shit that I have not seen. Yeah. I need to fix that because she's gorgeous. But, um, yeah, so... You know, I won't. I won't keep gushing, but I'm. I'm very glad I finally watched this, and thank you, Ash. Um, I am. I was for somehow it was better than I was anticipating, which was shocking because I've heard all of the hype surrounding and how great it was supposedly supposed to be and everything. So, um, yeah, this is is definitely a four star film for me. Um, I know both of you have seen this. What did you guys love it as much as I did? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Love Deadpool. Deadpool. God, it's so Deadpool. good. Funny, I can't, I can't wait to watch it again. I want to watch it with Bridget. Like I, I think it's so good. Yeah, it's funny. I bought it as soon as it came out on Blu-ray, but I haven't rewatched mm-hmm. it since I saw it in the theaters in February. Yeah, I've watched it. Like I watched it when we bought it. We watched mm-hmm. it. We inflict. Well, I, I I say we inflicted it. We inflicted it on a couple of friends who hadn't seen it yet too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, yes, yes, man, yes. what a movie! Did I get into the theater to go see Deadpool. Yes, <laughs> and I made her. And I made. Did you sit through the end credits? Yes, <laughs> all the way to the end. It was quite hilarious. But, but now, now <laughs> the, still doing here. Go home. I know. Now the sequel is getting uh, getting some issues. Huh? the director of yeah, the original left, the and now the yeah. composer is gone too. Really? Well, yeah. The reason that the director left, though, and I completely agree with them ditching him, is he wanted to completely change the tone of the film. Like they want it, they want like Reynolds and the producers in the studio want to make a sequel that's kind of irreverent and breaks the fourth wall and you know 
has some of the similar qualities to the first film. And he wanted to make a big tentpole action film that mm. does none of that of what makes Deadpool work as a character. Hmm. So it's kind of like, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, that's right. not going to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I, I will definitely not miss that one when it hits theaters. So, all right. So last but not least, yeah. Mark, yes. <laughs> I chose uh, <laughs> for you to watch Trashy Lady, which uh, Trashy Lady. I actually – I, I kept my promise and I did watch this film along with you this past couple weeks or so. So uh, go ahead and talk about Trashy Lady a little bit. Well, let's see if, if your uh, chain of mind uh, follows mine. <laughs> right. Here. So I picked up uh, the DVD slash Blu-ray copy of Trashy Lady at Cinema Wasteland. Um, I loved it. Now, I'll expand. <laughs> um the, I've always been because you know I'm I'm a kid of the '80s, right? right. So I've always been kind of in awe of stuff that I couldn't watch when I was younger. <laughs> so to me, today's pornography is is boring. You know, it's all gonzo. It's it's a lot of it is really mean. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of gagging and whatnot. So I always hearken back to the time where porn films were actual films and not just scenes. Um, put together of girls, you know, just being violated. Mm-hmm. Ah, not violated, but you know what I mean. You know, like today's porno isn't sexy anymore. But it's coming back, but it's just it's not there yet. Um, so this I, I, I jumped on um, as soon as I uh, was able to uh, to purchase it. So Vinegar Syndrome uh, re-released Trashy Lady. They uh, were able to scan the original 35 millimeter negative and. I watched it last night in Blu-ray, and it looks fantastic. I did notice a few scenes where the sharpness kind of got a little blurred a bit. Um, but, you know, this is a film with hardcore sections in it. It's yeah. not a it's not a film that is mind-blowing in any way. But for a sex film, you know, it's this is based in the 20s. And I will read you the IMDb um, synopsis because okay. it made me laugh. Mm-hmm. So... After gangster Dutch Schultz's last girlfriend walks out on him, he hires the girl of a rival gangster to transform his current gal, classy cigarette girl Kitty, into the kind of woman he likes, a trashy lady. So, <laughs> that's pretty much what the film is. Yeah, so, absolutely. Harry Reams, yeah, Harry Reams is Dutch, and his chick uh, leaves, drops him, because he wanted to leave a club she didn't want to leave yet. And he's a really powerful gangster. So he's like, either you leave with me or, you know, fuck off. So she fucks off. So he catches maybe 30 seconds after he gets dumped, catches <laughs> the eye of uh, Ginger Lynn, who plays the cigarette girl Kitty at this club. But she's too innocent. Uh, so him and the club owner, they talk. He's like, ah, who's that chick? Oh, and that's Kitty. I'm like, okay, so you interviewed her? She goes, yeah, well, you always fuck them. So how is she? <laughs> Goes to a scene of the manager of the club um, banging Ginger Lynn from behind, where she looks completely disinterested. Like, <laughs> it's just a one, like, completely disinterested. Like, yeah. are we done yet, type of thing, you know? <laughs> because she, she's very innocent. So now the, that his rival. The best uh, part, though, is that it's completely silent for the yes! entire scene, for like yes! a 10 minute sex scene. Silent. 
And nobody says anything. It's just him <laughs> pumping her from behind. I'm like, it's so funny. It's so odd, right? Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Me, because she's an innocent girl, doesn't know how to react to guys uh, exactly. pumping her from behind. I don't know. So, um, since his rival, Gangster, is in jail, and uh, he likes the rival gangster's girl, which is uh, Amberlynn, hot Amberlynn, and a hot Gingerlynn as well. Um, so he gets her to train. So he gets Amberlynn to train Gingerlynn in becoming a more slender girl that he likes. So the course of the film is her training. Um, there is a scene where it's Amberlynn, uh, Gingerlynn, and Tom Byron, uh, who was in the first porno I ever saw. And I think he looks a lot like a young X-Pac or one, two, three kid, if you will. <laughs> Sean Waltman. God he sure him. does. If you look look at it again, he is totally one, two, three kid. Um, Are you talking about the newspaper boy? Yes. Oh, man. Right? That's too funny. Yes. Yeah, I can see it. That's hilarious. <laughs> so I was waiting for a Scott Hall running. Um, <laughs> Which sadly does not happen. Oh, Would have been awesome. Does not happen. Um, so there's there's a few threesomes. Uh, I was surprised by the anal. There was a scene where uh, it was this girl who is the girlfriend of I'm not sure who the actress is. Unfortunately, um, she's the girlfriend of a boxer who's supposed to throw a fight. So she fantasizes. Oh, yeah, she's bored that the boxer and the trainer are double teaming her. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, long story short, at the end of the film, Ginger Lynn becomes a really trashy lady, like uh, how Harry Reams likes her. But there's no payoff at the end because he doesn't fuck her at the end. Thank you. Yeah, I, right? So I was giving the same synopsis, and it took me about as long as it did you <laughs> to go over the synopsis with my wife. Yeah. And uh, I had the exact same – I'm like – how in the fuck, after all this, does he not even have a sex scene with her? I know. What? I'm like, that's how you end the movie. That's how you end the film with a cum shot, you know? <laughs> and uh, no, it's like, uh, you know, she wants or he wants to leave. She goes, wants to stay for a half hour, whatever. Long story short, she, he, she becomes the kind of girl that he wants. And they kind of like hand in waist and it freeze frame and then credits. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, uh, surprising. Now, you do see Ginger Lynn um, in multiple sex scenes, and same thing for yeah. Amber Lynn. Um, I, I'm not sure who the maid was. Uh, Bunny, I think it's Bunny Blue. I'm not sure exactly. Um, but she was. Yeah. yeah all, they're all attractive. Absolutely. Um, and again, it being scanned from the third of a millimeter negative, um, it looks fantastic. Yeah, it does. Um, as well, if I would have known, I would have watched this sooner than last night because it also has two commentaries. Uh, yeah. One with the director of photography, Tom Howard, mm -hmm. and filmmaker David uh, McCabe. And a second one with uh, co-star Herschel Savage, who I believe is the other um, – he's the other mob boss. And okay. the XRCO co-founder, Bill Margold, who is a pornography um, historian. You might have seen him in some uh, documentaries. I believe he's got the glasses and the mustache. He always wears like a uh, like a, a Hawaiian shirt. If if I do recall, I believe that's him. So you get two commentaries on top of that, and you also get a bonus film uh, on this Blu-ray set, uh, Coming West, with uh, Steve Scott, who is the director of uh, Trashy Lady, and photographed by Tom Howard, who is the DP. Right. Now, I didn't get a chance to see this yet. Uh, I did start it really briefly. Yeah. Actually, theme song. I really like the theme opening mm -hmm. theme song. 
but it's 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 grainy. It's like 16 millimeter, or I guess it's 35 millimeter looking. It's not restored. Who cares? Yeah. You're getting bonus, and that's what I love about Vinegar Syndrome. They stack these discs with bonus stuff up the wazoo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally recommend it. Um, I couldn't put it on my, on my letterbox account because it's not there. Oh, okay. Um, oddly enough, pornography isn't on letterbox. Yeah, what which the fuck's that about? It's too bad. Um, but <laughs> it's I, too bad. You know, the film itself, it, it is what it is. But I just like a porno, a porno film with a story. And yeah. this film, it's set in the 1920s and it looks like the 1920s. You got the newsboys with the newsy caps. Mm-hmm. You've got the 1920s uh, Model T. Everybody's dressed in the nines. You know, um, so... You don't I, see that much anymore. Yeah, I thought it was smart filmmaking in that they kind of keep everything in one uh, – they, they keep it simple, basically. Yeah. They don't yeah. show, like, other cars driving around and they don't show other people walking the streets because, you know, they're, they're trying to keep it – feel like it's in the 20s. I thought yeah. they did that really well, surprisingly. I, I think so, too. So just because of that – and the sex scenes are what they are. You know, you're not going to yeah. see the fucking gaping anal like uh, people see online on their telephones, right? right. Um, oh so, uh, I, I, yeah, so as, you know, <laughs> for a porno, it's still classy. Um, people are treated right. It seems everybody's having fun. Um, yeah. I recommend this. Uh, again, not for everybody, but no, I recommend this. Um, I would give this release. I don't know how I would actually rate this. Um, but as a, as a vinegar syndrome release, um, I would give it, oh man, I don't want to give it four because I just, it, it, I give it a recommendation, a very strong recommendation. Yeah. I was trying to like, do I give it, th- do I give it three stars? Give it four stars. Um, so I haven't watched that much pornography for vinegar syndrome. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think I have a few more, uh, titles that I picked up recently. Um, but yeah, I would give this a solid recommendation for fans of the era. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I have a few more also because I won, I actually won this from the Screamcast, which is another excellent podcast, horror podcast. Box of Smut. Yes, exactly. Sean's Box of Smut. But, um, you know, when I first started writing film reviews, I was work uh, writing for um, Inside Pulse Movies, and some of the very first things they sent me were um, uh, pornographic films, and um, it was like the infamous Radley Metzgar films, like uh, Score, yes, Score, yeah, um, and um, oh, I can't remember. There was a couple other ones that I did, and uh, this. So I want to say those were mostly like seventies, and yeah. so this was eighties, which was it was different. There was definitely 85. more of a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's more of a story. Score definitely has a story, but it's frankly, it wasn't as interesting as this story being told here, which again, it's, it's a weak story. It's a, it's pornography, you know, but um, it, it is what it is. And I thought it was very uh, cool to have the story along with it. It just makes everything more interesting. Um, and yeah, it was, it was definitely, you know, for those that are interested in that genre, in that era, uh, definitely worth worth picking up. The Vinegar Syndrome release looks gorgeous, and it has those awesome special features on it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I was I was happy I, I watched it just because I don't I don't watch that ever really, uh, yeah. like that you know. And uh, so it's it's fun to it's, it, it's kind of cool because you're talking about like score. That's one I actually do have, and uh, yeah. I met Radley Mesger. I bought a signed copy of that. Oh, Blu-ray. nice! But That's I also awesome. like Lynn Lowry's in this film. She's in score. You know, and she was in the crazies, uh, like the original, the crazies, uh, mm-hmm. the, the uh, Romero film. Um, she's in Cat People. Uh, she was in Shivers. Like, 
these people were making, you know, adult films, but it it wasn't internet pornography, you know? Like oh, they totally still had different. like a, a lot of uh of golden age porn stars do cinema wasteland and mm-hmm. they write books and I gobble these books up because they're interesting stories. You know, how you got in, how people were treated back, you know, in the day. It's a lot yeah. different than today's industry. Um I don't think that ever be replicated, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, I, I, like people put money towards these because you're not releasing one a week, you know, like these were an actual, these, they consider themselves filmmakers and yeah. these were films yeah. with sex in it. Exactly. You know? um, so yeah, it's. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, it is compared fascinating. To, compared to what, I mean, what you have now, it's just night and day different. It's nothing similar. So yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just what a fascinating, fascinating release that I'm, I'm glad I watched. So mm-hmm. awesome. All right. So let's see what we are watching for our besting the backlog challenge next week. So this week, Ash is picking for Mark. I'm picking for Ash and Mark, you're picking for me. So Ash, what film is Mark watching for next week? Uh, okay. Going over your list. Have you seen Bram Stoker's Dracula? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I know uh, you have to pick out like thirty to get one. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Cannibal women in the avocado jungle of death. No, I just bought you that. Just got that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I will watch that. <laughs> yes. Cannibal women. Gotcha. That, Shannon Tweed's in it, and Bill Murray. That's his first film. Oh wow! Yeah, that's uh, awesome. that'll be a good one. Yeah. And the Blu-ray I've got, it's a full uh, full moon pictures release. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know seen it on your list. Yeah. <laughs> All right, perfect. And so, um, Ash, I am going to have you watch. I, I was I was there's so many good you have a couple really good ones on here that I, I know of um that are just awesome. Um and I was debating if I was gonna be an asshole or not, but I'm not because I want you to enjoy it because you gave me such a good one last week. Um I'm gonna have you watch um Old Boy. Oh, the remake or the original? I think it's the remake. The original is what's on the list here. I'm hoping it's the original that you haven't seen. Uh, I haven't seen either. Okay, um, well I watched the original. It's two old boy two thousand three. Yeah. Yeah, that's the original of Vengeance Trilogy. You know, that's the only one in the Vengeance Trilogy that I've seen. I me bought too. the box set a while back and I never saw the other ones. <laughs> exact same story for me. Yep. I, I found the tin. It was like a tin of the trilogy from okay. used from FYE, I think. And uh, so I had to buy it, but uh, I've not I've not watched the, the other two yet. But Old Boy is fucking awesome. So I think you'll enjoy that. So mm-hmm. I'll have you watch Old Boy Ash. And Mark, what the hell do I get to watch? Well, looking through your list, mm-hmm. one caught my eye. I cannot believe you have not seen it yet, and we want to. I want to talk about it next week. Okay, Frankenhooker. Oh, good. Yes, that's one of your favorites. Yes, yes. I'm excited. You will fucking love this one. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts. Fan fucking pass it. That'd be good. Cool. Yeah. All right, Mark. What the hell? What's the title of yours again? I Cannibal Woman in the Avocado Jungle. In the Avocado Jungle. Okay, perfect. So Mark is watching that one. Ash yes. is watching the original Old Boy. And I am watching Frankenhooker. And I am excited. <laughs> it's going to be a good it's, week. Yes, it's always Halloween. It's inefficient. That's right. Exactly. I don't give a fuck what the calendar says. Me We're neither. watching horror or sci-fi or cult. Because that's what we do. Or porno. It's, yes, or porn. Damn it. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll classify that as exploitation. <laughs> exploitation slash golden era. Right. All right. Excellent. So before we close out today, we are excited as hell to reveal what our next podcast arc will be covering. So next week, we are concluding our space horror arc, which means we will be going from the vast, infinite area of space, a place 99 to 100% of us and our listeners will never be, and bringing it back to reality in a place where we spend the vast majority of our time, our the homes. No, well, maybe there too. I don't know. We'll have to see the films. <laughs> but- the next podcast arc is going to be our home invasion arc. It's going to run five episodes and cover five different home invasion flicks. So what's special about this arc is that there are a number of foreign language films that will be included, which we don't do terribly often on our show. The last one I can think of was Perfect Blue. Um, so that should be a lot of fun to include. So the next five films for the arc, which was going to begin on November 18th, we're going to start with the 2006 film Them. Then the 2007 film Inside, the 2008 film The Strangers, Kidnapped from 2010, and then the most recent on the list, the Keanu Reeves, the Keanu Reeves led Knock Knock from 2015. So who's there? <laughs> waiting all damn show to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so this home invasion arc is going to begin again on November 18th, and it will conclude the 2016 podcasting schedule because we have. Two planned weeks off from now until the end of the new until the new year, uh, one for Thanksgiving and one for Christmas. Then, starting in January, we move on to our next arc. So, we would love to hear some feedback from you guys about our upcoming arc. So again, hit us up on Twitter at Cinefessions, email us at contact at cinefessions.com, or call us at one three zero two four four eight talk and leave us a voicemail to be part of an upcoming episode so we can hear your thoughts on this home invasion arc, which I am fucking stoked to be doing. Mm-hmm. So. We got some really good ones, and um, I think we can agree when most say that we haven't seen the majority of these over yeah, half, I think, so, or don't I, remember I, them because it's been so long. Yeah, or like single viewings or never seen at all, I think it would be right. more, than, more than half. So Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited as hell. But, mm-hmm. All right, so that's going to be that for this week. So next week, we conclude that space horror arc again with a review of 2009's Pandorum. So make sure you find that one way or the other so you can watch it with us. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. We have iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or if you're listening to us somewhere else, please leave us a review there. Positive reviews help us get more listeners, and uh, that's really the goal. You know, we want to reach more people. So we really appreciate you time taking uh, you taking the time rather to leave us that review. So thank you again for uh, taking a couple out of hours out of your day to listen to the three of us ch- uh, talk about pitch black and porn. And uh, (laughs) thank you to Mark. Thank you, Ash. Thank you guys for joining me again this week. It was a lot of fun again. Yes. Thank you for having us. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time. (laughs) 